0: We return now to Labor Press's Blue Collar Buzz with your hosts, Bill Holfeld and Joe Maniscalco.
1: Welcome back to Labor Press's Blue Collar Buzz here on AM 970 The Answer. I'm your host, Joe Maniscalco, senior editor of LaborPress.org. With me in the studio is Bob Henley from Chief Leader. Bob, we've had a very uh, sobering and interesting show. What struck you most uh, about uh, Johan and and, uh, the issue with the asbestos monitors?
0: Well, number one, I thought it was great news that uh, Johan is looking at this as an organizing opportunity. I was very impressed. You know, on radio, you can't really see his youthful, energetic, and charismatic energy, but Mm -hmm. it's clear he's got it. And the idea of taking this situation and flipping it on its head and having these— these air monitors actually have the dignity of representation uh, is a win-win for the public and for the workforce because then it means that they'll no longer just be at the whim of the uh, construction companies that they work for the developers but they'll be able to be backed up by a union and also be able to make the right call in the public interest and this is you know Uh, really what it's all about. And so we hear that, you know, the days of the unions are behind us. But in reality, and I think we've pointed this out before, last year was the first time in a long time we've seen an increase in union representation, about a quarter of a million people. That's not a lot. But it seems that New York City um, is turning a corner here. And and hearing from Johan what he's doing, turning what is a negative situation into a potential organizing opportunity is what the future has to be about.
1: Well, Bob, I don't have your years covering the labor beef, but I'm, I'm already exhausted hearing about the, the, the same kind of issues in across the board. Every sector, it doesn't matter. It's always, you know, the guys with the money cutting corners, putting workers and the public at
0: risk. Right. And one of the things that's happened over the years is that we see that the leverage and power that capital has over labor has increased. And I think that's kind of what set the stage for this pushback that's happening. Um, You know, you see a situation where, uh, for instance, the federal workforce, traditionally an apolitical workforce, you know, that's one of the things people don't understand this country uh, decided to go with a civil service that's merit-based because, you know, back in the 19th century, all of the positions, including the post office, were decided by patronage and by corruption. And, you know, the the federal civil service workforce is, is an example around the world of uh, people working in the public interest. You have all these career scientists who could be making so much more money working in the private sector, committed scientists in fish and wildlife, the EPA. And now they find themselves under attack because uh, what's happened is uh, there's been such a deterioration of workplace um, uh, security in this country in general that um, anybody who has uh, any kind of job that has any kind of benefits is perceived and has been uh, kind of... Um, if you will, marginalized by the reactionary conservatives saying, listen, look at this, look how cushy they have. Well, the reality is they have a job and job security which all Americans used to have. And so now what I see, though, is people pushing back and saying, you know what? We're not going to um, uh, demonize government workers. We're going to push it back the other way, where the private workforce begins to resemble something like it used to in this country when you had some kind of a job security. We've gone too far with corporations being able to throw people out. There's no sense of loyalty or obligation. And so the union movement is a way of pushing back.
1: Well, I, I was taken aback by hearing uh, Jimmy Hart say, "Listen, hey, you know, we don't want to, you know, fight dirty with Donald Trump because he, I think he said well, he really knows how to fight dirty," and I'm like, "No, we we have to use every tool in the toolbox, uh, you know, nonviolently to to get to."
0: Get this guy out. Well, one of the things that if you look at it, it's very important to do reporting uh, that gets that information that's underreported. And I have to give praise to The New York Times. Uh, just uh, recently they did a story looking at what's happening in our federal prisons. And this is something that we do with the chief leader. I did a similar piece uh a few months back, looking at the short staffing that's been going on in our Bureau of Prisons for years. It started under President Obama and it's gotten even worse under President Trump. And the reality is that you now have a situation where the Bureau of Prisons is several thousand uh, guards down, uh, actually correction officers, and one of the things that people don't realize is that under the federal system they use something called augmentation where they, when they cover the shortage by first working crazy overtime, which has its own health issues, which I'll talk about in a second, but also they pull people off of other titles. So if you're a cook, if you're an electrician, if you're someone that's involved with vocational training, or even someone involved like uh, giving medical care, uh, you get a couple of weeks of training as a corrections officer, so you can be pulled off that job and cover it in the event of short staffing. Well, now, we've had this for quite a while now, so you see a deterioration of all the things in the federal prisons that we know we need to prevent people returning. So people are seeing a decline in the quality of medical care care, in federal prisons, even a decline in people getting their uh, general equivalency degree because they're cutting back on teaching because the teachers are having to be guards. This is going on across the country. And I wanted to say the chronic overtime that we're seeing around the country has major health impacts. You know, we have a situation here in the Metropolitan uh, Corrections Facility here in Lower Manhattan. Uh, The union president there is telling us that people are being ordered to work um, three and four doubles a week. So can you imagine? You know you're not living in Lower Manhattan if you're a corrections officer. Mm -hmm. So you've got at least an hour commute. So you're working 18 hours if you factor in your commute and time. There's no doubt we know from medical research, occupational medical research shows that working tired is like working impaired or drunk. So this is penny wise and pound foolish. Why they don't hire more uh, corrections officers is is really the key question here. And this is under a law and order president.
1: I mean, we see this happening. Uh, you know, again, to me it all goes back to to the narrative. And, you know, if you want to get to an argument, you know, I, I think, you know, labor can win this fight, but they just don't have control of the narrative. You know, instead we have these, these genius machinations that are, you know, are, are able to turn, uh, people against somebody else who, who's, who has a good government job and who right. actually is provided a fantastic public service, you know, and, uh, they're
0: demonized it. <laughs> well, and that's why it's so important for public unions and unions in general to really step up their role in the broader society. Uh, I just did a piece for Salon, for instance, one of the things unions need to consider is getting involved in um, a universal uh, forbearance and forgiveness for student loans. They need to really think out of the box and uh, start using their labor muscle, not just in their own self-interest, but like they did in the case of the Civil Rights Movement, in, in many cases like DC37, marching right along Martin Luther King, to be associated with the broader societal agenda of of, uh, of community empowerment. That's where you're going to see people say, hey, labor's got our backs, we're going to have labor's back.
1: Well, Bob, how does that look like to you? I mean, when you look at the the leadership uh, you know, in, in labor in this city, do you see that kind of energy? Do you see that kind of that kind of forethought, uh, that way of looking at this holistically? Or are people still living in their
0: silos? Well, I think that it's it's mixed, of course. But I think that the Janus decision, which we're expecting anytime soon, um, is is really forcing some inward uh, examination. And I think you are starting to see, in this young man you we saw here today, a sense of the torch being passed and a new generation. The unions that are going to be about the future are the ones that are embracing and empowering their younger workers to join and come to the table. Uh, and Maybe we can talk about some uh, in future uh, uh, programs about examples of using social media. How do we uh, make it so that we don't have these elections? I mean, it's it's terrible when you see union elections where 10% or 7% of the the rank and file turnout that's a sign of um a weak union so often i think we still have some examples where leadership is afraid of rank and file right i mean Mm -hmm. that's still a problem but long term unions only survive when they're broad-based and the entire rank and file is engaged
1: well that that's definitely uh, definitely a, a lot to to dig into i mean we we're gonna do. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna continue doing, it, doing these kind of stories. Uh, I think we're gonna leave it there, though, right. Bob. Thanks. And uh, I want everybody to encourage, encourage everybody out there. If you like us, follow us on Twitter at Labor Press NY. Go to LaborPress.org. Find Blue Collar Buzz on iTunes and SoundCloud. And uh, you know,
0: write us. Give us a review. Give us a good rating. And, and I, I'm at Stuck Nation too. That's my Twitter handle. All right. And get Bob at Stuck Nation. That's right. And also Chief Leader. Chief Leader. Uh, I also have an email, bhennelly H-E-N-N-E-L-L-Y at rcn.com, uh, particularly focused in any kinds of issues related to 9-11 disability. We're always there. We're always willing to do what we can in the way of advocacy.
1: And you cannot leave the narrative to the corporate media, folks. So please tune in and, and, and do all the good stuff. And make sure you come back here next week for more Blue Collar Buzz here on AM 970, The Answer.